Hello everyone, welcome to today's podcast. I'm so excited to be back with you. Today we're going to be delving into Psalm 131. It is actually known as the shortest psalm out of all of the psalms. However, there was a famous phrase that was used. Um, It was written by David and the shortest psalm, but Charles Spurgeon, the great old-time preacher, said, it's the longest to learn. And I think you'll agree with me that it's a very short psalm in length, but in meaning it it takes a lifetime. And so it's one of those psalms that I felt that the Lord has kept pulling me back to as a reminder of what it is that he requires from us in order for us to to have that intimacy with him. And so I'm hoping that you will really get something from it today. So it's Psalm 131. In my Bible, it is entitled A Childlike Spirit. And like I said, it was written by David and is the shortest psalm. Um, It's one of the psalms of ascent, um, which are the psalms from 120 to Psalm 134. So I'm going to start by verse 1. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. And, you know, sometimes we can see ourselves a certain way and we may think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm not prideful at all. I'm a very humble person. But in all honesty and actuality, I think pride reigns in all of us to some extent. I feel there are times when we are humble, but there are also times when we are prideful. And the Bible tells us that pride is extremely deceptive. Sorry, You know, there's times when you don't see it. It may disguise itself as something else when actually it's really pride. And um, that's one of the first things God is saying, you know, we need to have a childlike spirit. And in order for us to know whether we have a childlike spirit, first of all, we need to look at our heart and we need to look at our eyes. And that's really interesting to me because when I think of the heart, I think of it relating to who we are inside, our thoughts, our feelings. But when I think of the eyes, I think of it as relating to how we perceive others, how we perceive ourselves when we look in the mirror and how we perceive others. Are we doing it from a haughty place? We may subconsciously or consciously feel we're better than others or feel others are not as good as us or feel that inside our heart, even if we're not saying it to anybody, there's a pridefulness. And it's so easy because we live in a world where the flesh is always exalting itself. And it's encouraging us. The world encourages us to exalt our flesh. Um, I think of some of those new age religions and they're, you know, everything's focused on ourselves. Whereas Christianity, it's focused on Christ. That's the beauty of it. And so it's so easy to become proudful and think that you're doing the right thing and think that you're okay. But that's the beauty of a relationship with Christ. Because as you get closer to God, you realize that's not characteristic of God. There's no pride in him. And in order for us to be like him, we need to identify where there's pride in our hearts. So 
one of the scriptures that comes to mind for me is Luke 18, 17, where it says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That's saying it extremely clearly that if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need to have a childlike spirit. That's why Psalm 131 is so important to us as believers, because it's basically the recipe of this is what a childlike spirit looks like. And God is telling us in many scriptures, but I just used the one in Luke, that if we want to enter into his kingdom, then we have to have a childlike spirit. So David is saying, basically, search my heart. And that's, you know, David is just the perfect person to say this because the Bible tells us that he was a man after God's heart. He wanted a heart like God. Now, did he make mistakes? Yes, many. I mean, some of the mistakes David made, some of us probably never will make those kind of mistakes. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was, um, you know, wasn't too good at bringing up his kids. Um, But... He was a man after God's heart, which really shows us that God is not expecting us to be perfect, but he does expect us to desire to be like him and be quick to repent and be quick to recognize our condition. We see in the Psalms when David did one of the most serious sins that he did with when he murdered um, Uriah, and we see in the Psalms how he repented He repented from a heart that was so desperate, so desperate for God's forgiveness. So the Psalms show us, you know, that we are meant to search our heart. In fact, Psalm 138, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Basically what it's saying is, God, I may think I know what I'm thinking, but you understand and you, you know what's behind every thought to a deeper level than what I can see. Maybe I've allowed my thoughts to be clouded with my own intellect or my own desires. But you know the motive for everything I say and do. You understand me in ways that are way too profound for me to understand me. So search me, God. See if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be anything that even with my thoughts that do not line up with yours. And I feel as a believer that that should be the desire of our heart. So we need to be taking this to God every morning, every day. We need to be, this is a continuous thing, our daily walk. God, search my heart. God, make sure that there's nothing lurking inside of me that is displeasing to you or would hinder me from coming close to you. It carries on to say, After it says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too difficult for me. And, you know, children um, have such a transparency that we tend to lose as we age. They have a way of saying exactly what's on their mind and describing exactly how they feel without apology. As we get older, and face different experiences and setbacks, we tend to lose some of that transparency and that liberty that children have, which often gets masked by such things as insecurity and pride. And 
there's a way that children have where if they ask you a question or they experiencing something and they don't understand it and they ask you there's a way that they have of even if you explain it to them and they don't understand where they just shrug it off and say okay and just move on from it they don't dwell on it and and when I read this this verse that's what it reminded me of I do not get involved with things too great or too difficult for me in other words you know Lord there's going to be times where I'm not going to understand your ways. I'm not, I'm not going to understand what you're doing in my life. It's, in fact, it's going to be completely confusing to me. And, and, you know, as we get older, especially as Christians, we tend to have so many questions. But this scripture and many more remind us constantly that we're to cast our cares on God. We're, that's Psalm 55, 22. Philippians 4, 6. We're not to be anxious about anything. And Proverbs 3, 5, which is one of my favorite um, scriptures, is we're not to lean on our own understanding. So even when it doesn't make sense, we're just to trust God with it. We're not to allow it to fluster us and get us anxious and worried. But you know, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, it starts off by saying, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All of these scriptures need one ingredient, and that's trust. If we don't trust God, we're not going to be able to do that. When we don't understand something, we're not going to be able to have peace with not understanding it. Just like a child, when they're asking that parent or that person they look up to, something that is way beyond their understanding... They're able to shrug it off and just move on from it because they trust that the person that is telling them or the person that they're asking, they trust, even though it doesn't make sense to them, they trust that it's, that person has it in their control. And we as believers need to know that, okay, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. But God has it in his control. It's good. Daddy God has it. We don't have to worry about it. Sorry, that's one of the phrases, that's one of the, the, the terms that I refer to him as, Daddy God. So, it all begins with trust. In verse 2, Instead, I have calmed myself and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. I am like a little child. And I think that is just visualising that it's so beautiful. This is what God says he desires of us. I love it how it says instead. So basically it's saying, you know, I can make a decision. I have to make a decision. There's some stuff going on in my life right now. I don't understand it. I don't understand what is happening in the world right now. And it's scary. But I can make a decision I can just keep questioning God, fretting and getting anxious about it. Or instead, I can make the decision to calm myself. Well, how do I do that? Well, if you want to calm yourself, then you need to make a determination that you're not going to allow situations, things or people to disturb your peace. I have to say to myself, Beverly, 
Right now, this thing could take me from A to Z. I mean, I could be just totally stressed out by it. But you know what? I am not going to allow it. It's a decision that I have to make. I have to make, I have to calm myself. How do I calm myself? Well, the word calm means to make quiet and to be still. And the Bible tells us, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. So it's basically showing us that how to calm ourselves. First of all, be still. So often when we're anxious, we pick up that phone, we rush to this person, we look at this, we turn on the news, we whatever it is, we call in the bank, we're, we're fretting about it. But God says, before you do any of that, okay, there may be some action, some practical steps that we need to take. For example, you may have lost your job and you may need to look for a job, but you're very anxious. You wake up and you're completely a bag of nerves. Am I going to get a job today? What happens if I don't get a job? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to... And you're so full of anxiety, which is understandable in the circumstances. But God has given us the method of how we deal with that. Before we run to the computer, before we run to the phone, we need to quiet ourselves. We need to have that quiet time with God. I'm sure many people can relate to those that have their quiet times in the morning or whenever you have that quiet time. And then the days that you don't have it, how your day is different, how you look at situations, how you feel about things different. But that quiet time, it's like it does something to you. It changes your whole persona. Things that might have made you react differently or or react abruptly. Because you had that quiet time, you're able to react in a way that is much more calm. Which shows us how essential it is to have our quiet time with God. How to be still. Sometimes you may not say anything to God. You may just sit and meditate. You may just sit and worship. You may just have worship music playing and just sit in his presence. You may just sit in his presence and just be saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whatever way, whatever method, it doesn't matter. You're giving that time to God. It's like an offering that you are sacrificing your time. And you are saying, God, I'm giving you this time. Before I try and do this in my own strength, I'm giving this time to you. And I believe in that time, something supernatural happens. That God just, his spirit just flows over us. Sometimes we need to do it before we go to bed at night. Because sometimes some of us go to bed with so much on our mind. And we need to quiet ourselves. Because sometimes if we don't do that, it affects our sleep. Restlessness, insomnia, nightmares. Even anxiety attacks. All kind of rumbling thoughts going through our mind shopping lists and to-do lists and things that people may have done to you in the past, whatever. But when we quiet ourselves, it quiets our soul, our spirit. Like a weaned child. You think about a weaned child. You know, for most of us that were weaned, That was when we experienced our first trouble in life. Now, you can only imagine as a baby that's so used to suckling on its mother's breast and then suddenly, no more. That's probably quite shocking to that baby. Like, what's going on? It's a comfort. 
it's a, it's a place of food supply. And now I'm no longer able to do it. If you just think about the warmth of being close to that mother's skin and the baby no longer, now they've got this plastic bottle in their mouth. But they're being weaned. And I very much doubt any of us can remember that experience, no matter how traumatic it might have been for us at the time. I'm pretty sure none of us can remember that. So take that into reflection of today's troubles. Like a weaned child, God is saying, that means that something's, you know, at the time when we're going through it, it's going to feel like this is the worst thing on earth that is happening. But there's going to come a point if we give this situation to God and we trust God with it, there's going to come a point where we're going to be like that weaned child. We're not even going to remember. We're not going to remember the pain and anguish that we went through. And I'm sure many of us can relate to that today. Situations that at the time felt like the end of the world. But now when we think back on it, it's like, wow, I can see the good that came from it. Yeah, it was difficult. But I, when I look back on it now, I don't feel that pain. I don't feel that anxiety. And so it's just so beautiful to, to have that image of being weaned. It says, I am like a little child. And then the last verse is verse three. Israel, which Israel is the name that God refers to for his, for God's children, those that love God, those that have given their life to God. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. And this really says it clearly. This is really this is really the answer to it all. In order for us to be able to walk in that calmness. There's a scripture in Isaiah, I believe it is, that says, in quietness and confidence is my strength. Again, that quietened soul gives you a confidence in God. And that's where your strength comes from. And God's saying, when we put our hope in him, okay, We have that strength to deal and face with any situation that we are going through. Not just today, but forever. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. And so I hope that this psalm will just really encourage you with whatever you're dealing with today. And even if it's not for today, maybe days to come or months or years you will be able to go back to this psalm and get so much strength from it I pray that you will meditate on it yourself have your own quiet time and talk to God regarding this psalm because it is a beautiful psalm and I hope that you were blessed today I hope it ministered to you and I hope that you will share it with anyone that you think it's going to bless as well I thank you so much once again for all of your support, your kind, encouraging words. I pray that you will continue to tune into these podcasts and they will minister to your soul and they will really make the word of God come alive again. I'm not saying it's died for you, but I think that there's always a new level in God's word. And that's my prayer that each one of us will reach, keep day after day, keep going from level to level to level, higher and higher and higher in God. So I love you, I thank you, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Be blessed.